Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's a show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, Wednesday, I think it's still Wednesday, Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. I'm still getting used to saying 2020 because I don't know how many of us remember Barbara Walters saying this is 2020, right? But it's a new day. It's 15 days into the new year. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot to do this year. And I feel like I am procrastinating. And I'm going to pray that procrastination demon off of me because I just watched an interview with Tyler Perry on uh, CBS. And I was very impressed that he wrote a whole feature film in five days. He filmed a whole feature film in five days. And he says the industry standard is seven. He got it down to five. So they asked him, how long did it take you to write the script? And he said a day and a half. And everybody sitting at the, the interview table, were, they were all surprised. And he said, look, I didn't come up in the Hollywood system, so I don't know their process. I only know my way. I did it in a day and a half. So I'm praying for a Tyler Perry-like spirit to get me finish my book. Pray for me, that procrastination demon just taking me over, telling me, wait, wait, it's been three years. I woke up and it's 2020 and it's been three years. <laughs> right? <laughs> so help me, Lord. Help me. So today on our show, I have something to talk about. And it's something that I invite your comments on that I think is affecting all of us. We all know somebody for whom this is relevant and for whom this is applicable. Someone to whom this resonates, someone who has either experienced it themselves or knows someone or a community that has been impacted by this. We're calling it Americans Are Dying of Despair. And a few weeks ago, we did a similar show in which we talked about how people in, in certain communities were literally dying from preventable illnesses and dying from preventable situations. But at the time, I didn't delve deeply into the reasons why. I wanted to do more research to see what were the causes. I knew it was economic, but I wanted to be able to put it together in such a way that we all can relate to why this is happening. And I want to tell you and preface this, this is not a political commentary. This is a commentary on something that is socially happening within our country that we need to pay attention to. This is part of what makes us America. And these are Americans and they are suffering and they're dying because they're filled with gloom. This didn't just start. 10 years ago, this has been going on for half a century. But as usual, we're asleep at the switch. For those who are affluent, they don't see it. So it's kind of like they don't see it. The economy is doing great. The stock market is high. 
So hedge fund managers and people who work on Wall Street don't see a problem until they go back home to the small town where they come from. And then they might be like, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, okay. And then they head right back into their affluent lifestyle. Right? Politicians are asleep at the switch. They're so busy lip-syncing and focused on having political battles that they're not paying attention to what is going on with the people. They're bawling those who can fly on private jets. They're bawling like crazy. Their lavish lifestyles played out. And when it comes time for a vote, they come and palm everybody and fist bump everybody. But then they do nothing about changing the fiscal and public policies that have created this mess in our country. So let me put it into perspective for you. Uh, I read a report, as usual, I make sure that my reports, the reporting that I read from and that I glean my stories from are credible so that you yourself can go read them and find the same facts that you are exposed to the same information that I am. So it's not something hidden, right? It's something that we all can find if we want to. And it's something that hits close to home for me, and it's something that I'm aware of. Uh, Yesterday, I had to go pay my taxes on land, right? And typically, I don't do that. I I pay through through the website. But I had to go in yesterday, and I, I kid you not, I can totally relate to the story about deaths of despair. The look on people's faces when they couldn't afford to pay the taxes that could prevent foreclosure on their properties because they simply could not afford it. One man said he doesn't work, he can't find work for whatever reason. He didn't explain why he couldn't find work, right? And his property was in imminent foreclosure status. And it was just the despair that was in the room was palpable. The look on people's faces where you could tell they have given up. I, their lives are worth nothing. They're valueless. And they don't feel as if they're valued. There was one touching part of it where a grandmother uh, needed to pay her taxes. But she said, I can't pay it all off because my great-granddaughter Uh, needs some money from me because she's in college and she needs to pay her enrollment fee and I promised her I would do it so I can't pay it all off today but I'll come back next month and everyone could relate to that her great granddaughter right and so many seniors who have worked all their lives and who now are taxed beyond the brink especially in Detroit and I suspect in other communities around the country they're literally being taxed out of their home. you got to realize that this is public policy. This is called redlining that created the problem in the first place. So now that gentrification is imminent and upon most communities, what is happening is that people are being taxed out of their homes. Taxes are so high. When you look at some properties in Detroit, the value is $10,000, but they're paying $1,500. or $1,800 for taxes. Unbelievable, but the property is valued at $10,000. Frankly, if the Detroit Land Bank is telling the truth, they're actually, when they foreclose on the home, they're actually selling it for $500. But you're paying, so the real value is $500. 
but you're paying taxes of $2,400 per year. You're talking about the hardest hit areas after the economic downturn. Now, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. This didn't just start happening. This began happening half a century ago. It was slow and slow and slow. It started happening in small towns across the country, especially in the Rust Belt, so the areas of the Midwest, the upper Midwest, and some parts of the South, the the upper South. It started happening in these areas, those areas that were heavily industrialized. Due to globalization and automation, those jobs were erased. They were eradicated. They no longer existed. What it caused after people lost their jobs, they lost their income. They can't pay for a car. They can't pay for a home. In a matter of six months, after a job loss, you've lost everything. You lost the home. You've lost your income. And then guess what else you've lost? Take a while, guess. What else have you lost? You lost your family. So now people are having to adjust to a new way of life. Guess what happens? People now have gloom. They turn to the three common things. What? Drugs and alcohol. Drugs and alcohol. Which in turn makes people feel even worse. So they turn to suicide. Do you remember after the economic downturn, we saw an uptick in family homicide, remember? Where people would kill them, kill their families and then kill themselves? They called it suicide homicide. Homicide by suicide. Remember that? People became so despondent and so filled with despair. They couldn't afford to stay in their homes after a job loss, couldn't maintain the lifestyle. They killed themselves. Well, that is what is happening. That's why we call it deaths of despair, because it's preventable. It's preventable from a politician's perspective. Right now, if you were to turn your TV screens on, there's this whole drama being played out in Washington by rich people. They're all rich. The politicians are all rich. They've all been earning more than six figures for more than 20, 30 years, plus the kickbacks, plus everything else that they make. The politicians are all rich. They're, creating, they're the perpetrators and the creators of public policy that have contributed to job losses for most Americans. We're talking about working-class Americans, and working-class Americans are typically defined as people without college degrees. They're struggling. Let me help you out a little bit. In half a century, the, if the inflation rate, if the, if the minimum wage had kept pace with inflation, guess what would have happened? The minimum wage would have been, what, $22 an hour. Instead, what is the federal minimum wage? $7.25 an hour. No, can I just ask you a question? Who can live off $7.25? It's an insult to expect people to go to work for $7.25 an hour. So what we have done is created an America that no longer exists. We have created an America where people don't have anything. There's some, someone is calling me and they hung up, right? We've created an America that does not exist. We're, we've created an America that it used to be okay, but now it's not. What made America great was the fact that you could come from the working class and still live decently. That America has evaporated. We have created an America where it's either you're rich or you're poor. There's no middle. 
Yet you hear politicians pontificate all day and postulate all day about helping the middle class. And you and I are what middle class? There are only two classes, the affluent and the, and the indigent. That's it. Everybody else is struggling, living off credit cards, living off, live on debt, so indebted that you don't know where to find yourself, right? Let me give you some, some pointers that I want you to keep in mind, right? Uh, this is, here are some contributing factors. Homelessness and suicide. I want you to listen very carefully. The suicide rate is higher than it has been since World War II. We need to look at that. One child in seven is living with a parent suffering from substance abuse. We need to get close to that. A baby born every 15 minutes in America today has been exposed prenatally to opioids, right? Life expectancy has fallen for three successive years in a row for the first time in a century due to deaths of despair. Life expectancy has fallen three years in a row due to deaths of despair. And this is all due to this economic crisis. Lost jobs, broken families, led to gloom, failed economic policies, right? So the struggle is what has kept working class Americans and has caused them to die from death of despair. The suffering is invisible to affluent Americans because, frankly, the economy stopped working for working-class Americans. But affluent Americans would know because affluent Americans are interested in the stock market. And you hear that every day. The stock market is high, and the guy out there earning $15 an hour is like, what are you talking about? The stock market is high means something to Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and uh, all them other boys, right? doesn't mean anything to working-class Americans, not to the folks I saw at the tax office downtown Detroit yesterday. That's the, the stock, you couldn't tell those folks the stock market was high. Those were people who were robbing Peter to pay Paul so that they could stay in their home as a result of public policies that failed them. There were people who were, tra- were traveling with their senior parents. They lived they had to move back home to live with a parent and a grandparent because they lost a job, can't find a job, and had to move back home. So now they're companion to an elderly parent who is hanging on for dear life because they're ill, they're elderly, they're almost incapacitated. But if they die, what would happen to their descendants? Because their descendants could not sustain it. I kid you not. America has changed, and our power as a first world country, is being compromised without us even being aware of it because all we're focused on is the lavishness of lifestyles. We're focused on the excess of lifestyles. If you were to pick up Instagram, you would think all is hunky-dory all day. First of all, working class Americans can't afford access to the internet. Let's just be clear because Comcast and AT&T and internet providers per se across the board, ensured that the, in, the cost to access the Internet is so high and so prohibitive. No matter what they advertise, it's never the same when the bill comes. We all know that to be true, right? And so 
they can't, working class Americans don't have access to the internet. You got to get a cell phone like the one from Walmart or something, straight talk or something like that. Because if you were to, to get a real cell phone from like Sprint or AT&T, forget Verizon, that's a car note, right? Working class Americans can't afford that. Even having a cell phone has become a status symbol in America. I never thought I'd live to see the day when that is so. It used to be a cell phone was a necessity, a mobile phone, they used to call it, right? Was a necessity for travel. Now, a mobile phone is a, is, is, is a luxury. There are places in, in America where that even in cities, you can see a marked difference in who lives where. You can see a marked difference in how people live. There's so many people. I say this all the time. They say Detroit is a predominantly black city. Not anymore. There are a lot of white folks moving back to Detroit. Yesterday when I was at the tax office, it's, a, it's like about the third time in about three years that I've gone downtown to the tax office and I have seen and heard stories from white people who say their descent, their, their ancestors, you know, grandma left them a property and now they are living in it. There were so many people yesterday, you could tell, were just li- they were just waiting to get out of there, to go back home to gloom, because there was nothing, no hope. There is no hope. Public policy has failed us. It's one thing to say, well, you can have hope, and hope is all that you have. But when it hits, when the going gets tough, and the pedal, and the pedal hits the metal. You've got to ask, where is this going? You have to really ask when the jobs have disappeared. Recently, we saw this lived out in real time. I think it was last last fall, fall of 2018 into March of 2019, when General Motors announced that it was closing a plant in an industrialized section of Ohio that traditionally was an industrial town. And when they did the news reporting, they made the comment and they uh, forecasted what would happen in that town when GM pulled out. Doom and gloom all day. All the little mom and pop businesses that existed because of the people who worked at the plant would be, would be gone. What about the people who worked for the plant? They too would be gone. Their homes, they couldn't sustain paying a mortgage or paying rent for that matter. People start drinking. They start taking drugs. They start cooking meth. And then when that doesn't take them out, they just commit suicide. Sometimes people drink themselves into oblivion. They drink themselves until their bodies literally give out from suicide because there is no hope. Meanwhile, you go to D.C. and you would never know that the America that exists in rural Ohio is the same America that you see in D.C. and down Wall Street and Fifth Avenue in New York. You would never believe. Affluence reigns. People trade in their cars every two, three years. They're eating high on the hog, sipping mimosas for breakfast, living the life of Riley, then gather a news conference and come before the news conference and tell people they're working for the American people. Which one? The affluent one? who are dependent on the stock market or the ones who are dying from deaths of despair. You, you all see that I'm out of, I, I'm not a fan of politicians. You can see that now. I'm not going to be favored by politicians because they suck. Because meanwhile, while they're lip syncing 
And while they're high rolling, because make no mistake about it, Nancy Pelosi does not fly coach. She flies private jet. Most politicians, they fly private. They fly coach when we catch up with them. But they have friends and lobbies and people who lobby, whom they help to get policies passed, who give them a ride on their private jets. Some of them have the nerve, their, their associates post pictures on social media. I was just on such and such a private jet with representative blah, 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 heading to Washington, D.C. And you're like, huh, so that's where my tax dollars are going, huh? So when I voted for you, that's what you were going to do? Meanwhile, people are dying from what I call preventable situations. If I were you, it's time to take stock. It's time to really start asking questions and ask, where are we going as a nation? Yesterday, we did a show on debtors' prisons in Louisiana. The fact that debtors in Louisiana, that means poor people who can't pay their debts, are going to jail as a result of Jim Crow laws that have resurfaced, that are being perpetuated and implemented and executed by rogue judges who feel that they are still carrying a grudge by their ancestors for 100 years ago because slavery went out of business. So they're using another form of slavery. And those same judges have friends who are representatives and senators from the poorest state in the nation who are in D.C., who last night were having, were sipping mimosas, sipping champagne, and eating filet mignon while people were working for private employers. Now, you got to understand the people in debtors' prisons, they are not working for the state. They're working for private employers. That means capitalism. That means people who own businesses. And you wonder why people are offing themselves. You wonder why they're so... You remember when people started dying of suicide? The media went crazy when Robin Williams killed himself and when Kate Spade killed themselves because... The media, you've got to understand, are affluent people. Those people talking heads you see on TV, they're not poor. They're rich. They have huge contracts with a lot of money. And they continue to perpetuate and repeat the stories that the white, the media, the power elite behind the media want them to say. So they're not going to, when they saw Robin Williams and Kate Spade dying and Anthony Bourdain dying from suicide, They didn't want that to be a a death of despair or a death of gloom. No, they were trying to understand why that would happen. Despair. Suicide and death is no respecter of persons. It is what it is. It afflicts everyone anytime. Anyone, anytime. It just happens to afflict them. Right? So what happens is when people are confronted with their realities and the realities of their lives, What are they supposed to do, my friends? You tell me. What are people supposed to do, like the people whom I saw yesterday? I feel kind of passionate about it because I was asking the question, what I even asked, I said, well, what are the the, the provisions in place? They do have some programs in place, but first you have to get downtown. Most of these people don't have uh, transportation, so they're going to have to find a way to get downtown. What we need to understand is that what has happened to people now is that they've given up. So they're not even trying anymore because they spent so many years trying and nothing worked. And now you're still asking them to continue to try. They have given up. 
So you say to yourself, well, they could go work a job at McDonald's at $7 an hour. Help me to understand. McDonald's does not pay, give anybody 40 hours per week. They would not stay in business. They're not in business to help anybody. They're in business to make as much money as they can make. And keeping somebody for 40 hours per week is not conducive to that. So when you tell people go work a job, start somewhere, you're literally condemning people to a way of life. We got to understand as a country and as a society that everybody's not going to go to college. This is why in some parts of the world, they make higher education affordable. Across the board, it's affordable. So if someone chooses to, they can go to college. Here in America, we may, we're now making higher education unaffordable, inaccessible to most people. Most people live in districts, in school districts, where this, there's not enough money, budget cuts. Politicians love to take money out of education because they can put it in their pet projects that their supporters and their bankrollers pay them for. It is the truth, right? And so what happens, and so what happens is they're not going to implement and execute policies that favor the people who are hurting. They're going to do what they're being paid to, to do. Who is bankrolling them? And so what happens is people are looking on and they're like, that America has passed and that ship has sailed me by. People don't have cable. They're watching TV using, uh, 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 what do you call that, a little, uh, gosh, antenna thing? You know, they don't look like the antennas that we grew up with. They're different today. My mother had one. Why? I don't know, because she paid the most horrific cable bill I've ever seen. Her cable bill was three fifty because she wanted all the channels just in case she wanted it. I'm like, you're nuts, right? But what about people who can't afford that, who are on fixed income? They can't afford that. They have to pay this much for light and heat, this much for water. Water bills all over the country are excessively high. In the city of Detroit, water bills are high. We have a mayor. I don't know what purpose this guy serves. I, I was a supporter of the mayor, but I'm looking at him and I'm like, you haven't done anything to improve the lives of the people in the city. Crime is out of control, right? Crime is so unbelievably high that the, the, the chief of police and the mayor get together and they do a press conference and everybody is looking good. The chief of police's contract is worth $230,000 or almost $250,000, if not $320,000. So who is, where, 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 where the police come in? There are 2,400 police officers in the city of Detroit, 24 to 2,800 police officers in the city of Detroit. The population is over half a million. So you tell me what 2,800 police officers can do. How effective is that policing? Every day, people are dropping dead. People are shooting and killing each other because out of complete and utter despair. There's nothing left. They're angry. They have, it is easier to find a gun than it is to find a job and to find money to pay your bills. It's way easier to find a gun. So what do you think people are going to do? They make drugs accessible. People can go get high. You can go buy a liquor at a corner store. The, the corner store also takes your food stamp card. 
you drive past them, you see the big sign. They take your food stamp card so you can go buy liquor, but you can't buy fresh fruit and vegetables that is perhaps nutritive to your body that's going to impact your moods. You do know there's a direct correlation between the foods you eat and your moods because it affects your chemical balances in your body. How many of you know how many of us know that? So here we are. After half a century of public policies that have failed Americans, working class Americans, what do we have? People are is is this population control? Was the, is this an unintended consequence of population control? Because politicians don't seem to care. I didn't watch the debate last night. Anybody watched it? I don't have time for that foolishness. They're crazy. Elizabeth Warren is beating up on Bernie Sanders. I don't know if she thinks she could bring out some talking points about women like that's going to solve anybody's problem. Right? It's just ridiculous. They're so out of connect. It's unbelievable. I was doing my research for this program today. And I'm like, show me anything in what they say that's going to resonate. Because here's the deal. Half a century ago, when manufacturing and industrialized and industrial jobs began disappearing, people fell into despair, right? They started moving to other places. They lost homes and so on. So here comes a man named Donald Trump. They saw him as the great white hope. They thought His message resonated with them. That's why they filled up the arenas. They thought, finally, our Messiah and our Savior has come. He has come to rescue us. But the reality is, under Donald Trump, farmers began losing their reality because he started a trade war with China and the rest of the world that has ruptured the farming economy. They had to pour milk away and give away cheese and the stuff that farmers used to export. I kid you not. Under Donald Trump, children are left without health insurance. Over 400,000 children or 4 million children are left without health insurance. The same people who voted Donald Trump in, who thought he was their great white hope, are the same people whom the policies adversely affected the most. They're the people who are dying most from deaths of despair. They are his voters and his supporters. Maybe he sees it, maybe he doesn't. Who cares? He's an affluent man. He's a rich man. It does not impact him, nor will it ever impact his generations to come. That kind of thing does not happen to them. So it doesn't, what does it matter? So the politician who is elected from communities like that, he doesn't live in that community anymore. He shakes your hands put on his khakis and his polo shirt when he goes into the neighborhood or his jeans and his boots and he shakes their hand and then he goes home and washes his hands, put his feet up and counts his bank account to see how much money he has because he's never going to live like that. In fact, sometimes I think these people enter politics to make sure they stay part of the power elite so so they can be removed from people's situations as much as possible. So I want to tell you what it, what I what I have identified, alcohol, drugs, and suicide are killing people. We're seeing that suicide is on the rise. Like we said, suicide is is higher than it's been since World War II. People are killing themselves 
simply because they they have given up. They have given up because public policy has failed us. Public policy executed and implemented by politicians have robbed people of their livelihoods. You, I think most of us have underestimated the impact of losing a job. When people lose a job, they have lost their way. Have you ever heard that term, the girl has lost her way? <laughs> well, in this case, it means they have lost their livelihood. They don't have a grip on the reality anymore. This is why when Donald Trump was campaigning, the survivors of, of the economic collapse that has been going on for over half a century, they filled his studios. They filled his spaces because he was going to bring America back, and he campaigned on that. He was, that's why the message resonated with them so well. He's going to make America great again. In their minds, he was going to make their communities great again. They would get jobs that would enable them to stay in their communities, and they wouldn't be subjected to drugs. But you go and interview those people today, I don't know who they're going to vote for this year, but many of them are in the same position. In fact, they're worse off because the trade wars have impacted the most vulnerable the most. Do you think the executives of General Motors are troubled? No, because their compensation packages have left them affluent for the rest of their lives. They're not troubled by trade wars. They have, they're going to leave. They're going to get a golden parachute. It's like the guy who ran Boeing. Y'all saw that this week. The man ran Boeing into the ground. He created this debacle around the 737 jet. That they knew something was wrong, but they thought they could get away with it. Well, the board and the shareholder, the chairman of the board of the shareholders decided they were going to get rid of him. He got a golden parachute. He still got $62 million of the end deal in, in stock and, and options. Well, that means he got a sweet deal to leave. How is that helpful? Meanwhile, the worker still at the bottom getting $15 an hour is still getting $15 an hour. But he's walking away with $62 million. He's still going to golf. He has more time to golf now. He's still going to fly in his private jet because he definitely is not going to fly on the 737 MAX by Southwest any day now. <laughs> right? And meanwhile, the people at the bottom, do you see what I'm saying? These are the things we need to pay attention to. Uh, hello, somebody is talking to me over there, right? And this is, and these are the issues. Voting for Trump is not going to help anybody, honey. None of these politicians are going to help unless they are really going to change the policy that is impacting people's lives. What's the point, Right? You've got to really listen. This is exactly what has happened. This is our commentary, right? You have to really ask yourself, how has that helped? What about the farmers who have lost their farms? I saw in one place where the agriculture secretary told farmers to go get a job. You've been a farmer for generations. Your family were farmers. And he told people to go get a job, told the farmers to go get a job after they voted for him. They believed in him. They thought he was going to create this halcyonic world that was going to make their lives better. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? And instead, here they are. 
as the rich get richer because the stock market is stocked in their favor. Yesterday, somebody on my timeline said that he's rich. So I said, how much, show me, you. do you have $100,000 in the bank? He's like, I make four hundred k per year. I laughed. I said, at 400000 per year, your lifestyle is a million dollars per year. It costs you a million dollars per year to live because you think you have money. I said, 400000 per year is not money, honey. <laughs> That's making it from paycheck to paycheck. He said, well, uh, nothing is wrong with having debt. I said, okay. Something happens and you miss a payment. Let's see what happens to you. Come back and talk to me. I believe in real money. I don't believe if you're making 400000 a year, you should live at 400000 a year. I believe you should live at 80000 a year and save a lot of it. That's what I believe. But, hey, sucks to be me, right? Right? What, what the hell do I know? I, I'm going to be a baller. This is the thing. People make money and immediately they want to go balling just like everybody else. You know what balling means? <laughs> they want to go show off is what my grandmother would call it. They want to go show off to everybody that they've made it. It's crazy. Ladies and gentlemen, we're missing the real issue. We're losing our country. We're losing people who are good people, who were our neighbors, people we grew up with, right? People who made our communities great, people who believed in an America that would make them profitable, right? People are dying from alcoholism and drug overdose and drug use. I'm tired of it myself. Cooking mess, seriously? Right? People selling weed and all kinds of stuff. People doing all kinds of substances. And you know the one that really, really gets me? Yes. Alcohol. People literally just sit down and drink themselves into oblivion. Why? Because they don't see a way out. So, it's filled with so much gloom. I, I kid you not. You look in people's faces. You don't believe me. Go shopping. Go to the mall. Go to the grocery store. Just look in people's faces. Yesterday, as I was walking out of the tax office, uh, there, were, there was a senior who was sitting right there. And I didn't realize that I wasn't smiling either. Because everyone else I encountered was not smiling. So apparently the smile wore off my face, right? But there was a senior who looked like somebody's grandma, right? And she was smiling, so I didn't have a choice. I found myself smiling back. And she said, Happy New Year, dear. And I said, Ma'am, Happy New Year to you. And I said to myself, I just realized that everybody whom I walked away from was not smiling. Because what it took for them to pay their property taxes, to stay in their homes, they had to rob Peter to pay Paul. And I know, unless you are seriously affluent, you may not be able to relate to this. So don't pretend. I don't like people who pretend. Because this is impacting America's working class. Again, working class as defined as people without college degrees. Right? They are dying. It's a whole group of people. If you catch a politician on the campaign trail this this year, if you are lucky enough to get close enough to a politician, or let's just say you have access to the Internet, 
and you can reach them on their Facebook page. Just ask them about working class Americans. They don't, they, don't, they don't talk about working class Americans. They talk about the middle class. You have to ask them, where is the middle class? Because most people earn minimum wage. Employers are fighting to make sure that people don't get $15 an hour, $20 an hour. I read somewhere that, that if the minimum wage had kept up with the rate of inflation from half a century ago, the minimum wage would be $22 an hour. Imagine that. You could actually be doing something, right? People could live, right? Instead, people are suffering. I'm serious, Raven. People are suffering. Real people like you and I, people whom we know, people whom we encounter, people whom we see. And even if you live in a circle where everyone around you is affluent, the person who cuts your lawn, the person who cleans your house, the server at Starbucks, the server at the McDonald's or the grocery store where you go to, you run into someone. Can you just say, how are you doing? Just smile. It will break the yoke of despair. Just say, hey, how's it going? Smile with someone. Just say, hey, how are you doing? Just inquire. Because that person, you could actually make the difference. Because that person is probably contemplating suicide. They're probably contemplating how they're going to die. That if they go home and just drink, it will just end us all. It takes a very strong person to come back after hit, after hit, after hit. There's nothing like losing a job and getting up to go apply and apply and apply and can't get a job. Can you imagine somebody who has a family in the Rasta, like in that town where GM calls the plant? They don't have any jobs. They got a severance package that lasted maybe three to six months, right? That six months is over. Guess what? Your mortgage rate was calculated based on your credit score and your income. So your mortgage still needs to be paid long after the severance package is over. Can you imagine what's happening in that small town? Can you imagine how people are feeling? What would you do if it were you? How would you feel? I just, if if you feel something coming off me right now, it's a wave of compassion for people who feel that they're desperately without hope. And what about people who are living and people who got out of jail because of some drug use, because that's inevitable, right? They may have been arrested more than once for alcohol, for drinking and acting out because of the economics or drug use because they're trying to numb it out, then they get out of jail. Now they have the double whammy. Can't get a job because of a criminal record. Can't get, uh, can't get any kind of health, can't rent somewhere to live. And people have to sit there every day and look at themselves in the mirror and tell themselves to get up again day after day. If you're feeling anything off of me, is my desire to change this. And it is my hope that somebody will be filled with hope. Having outlined all of this, how working class Americans are dying, deaths of despair, they're literally dying of despair. Having uncovered this, 
I'm going to ask you now, what can you do to help? But you know what? Start holding politicians accountable, even if it doesn't apply to you. So you are affluent. Chances are the politician can look at you wherever he encounters you, and he can tell how much you're earning and what your vote is worth. Ask them, what are you doing for working-class Americans who are dying from despair, alcoholism, and drug overdose? What are you going to do to ensure that the 400,000 children who are left off health insurance have access to good health care? What are you going to do about the plants, that G- the towns where manufacturers left and others left? What are you going to do about debtors' prisons in Mississippi? America is falling into the abyss. We're looking more like the rest of the world than the utopia that we were. We used to be the city on a hill where people from all over the world felt like, if I get to America, I can make it. Now we're looking like the places where they're running from. Because if they get caught up in the cycle of poverty, they end up in a worse space because now we are no longer people with compassion. We have businesses, we employ people, and we pay them below minimum wage. We pay them just enough to live. We don't pay them enough for them to sustain a life because we want to keep rolling and bawling on the French Riviera and the Italian Riviera and go show off that I can buy a Tesla and I have a butler. That's where we are. We don't think about the next person. CEOs go into companies and they become rapacious capitalists where they take over companies and they abandon folks and leave people. That's the reality that we are. Politicians lip sync. Notice I said lip sync. Their lips are moving, but their fingers are not the pen of a ready writer. Their fingers don't sign policies that enable people and empower people and uplift people. But their lips say all the things that you want to hear. But when it comes time for execution, they're missing in action. I, anybody who is listening to me today, at first I want to tell you, if you find yourself as part of this group of folk, I'm telling you right now, I am praying for you. I'm praying that your individual situation will change. If you have a family member, or if it is you who find yourself in one of these three groups where they're alcohol dependent or they're on drugs, I'm begging you to seek help. There are resources available. And if you know someone who feels like they're at the end of their rope, there's nothing else, Harriet, I don't know what else to do. The job left, they're about to repossess the farm. They're about to repossess the car. They're about to repossess the house. They're about to come and take over everything. What am I going to do? I'm still going to pray for you that you will find hope and peace. See, what happened is, Raven, you voted for Obama twice because you thought that was good. the public policy never changed. Hence, you went and voted for Trump. You're just part of the cycle that the sociologists are identifying. So you saw Trump as the great white hole because he promised. And he looked like he was going to come and rescue. When, in fact, nothing changed. Nothing changed. They don't want it to change because they want to control They want a situation where there's always the power full and there is the power less. The America that existed after World War II, 
They don't want that America. That was too empowering. It created the sexual revolution and the social revolution of the 1960s. They don't want that anymore. They want the powerful and the powerless by any means necessary. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm asking you, if you're a politician, and I know some of them listen to me, and if you're an influential journalist, I know some of you do listen to me, I'm asking you to spread hope and peace wherever you go. Reach out to people. Talk to people. Look them in the eye and say, I'm, I'm with you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Move somewhere else. Get on a bus. Leave some of the stuff behind. Get on a bus. Go to another city. Start all over again. Encourage people. Tell them it's going to be okay, even if it's not okay in West Virginia, where they are. Even if it's in the Appalachian Mountains, move from there. Go somewhere else where you can find resources that can help you to get out of it. Don't just go cooking meth in your grandma's trailer, because that might kill someone. One day, they might come, lock you up, put you in prison for 13 years, and no prison is not an exit. So I'm asking all of us, Can we start thinking about one another? Each one, teach one. Each one, love one. Each one, take care of one. You're driving down the street and somebody's standing on the corner. Just give them a dollar for crying out loud. You don't know what being homeless is. And you giving that person a dollar is saving somebody who is in a shelter. You're probably going to give them food for the day. Doesn't matter if they're there, there tomorrow. It only means that that's their only hope. You don't have to engage them in conversation, but you can call 911 and tell 911 send some help to them. Each one, teach one. And if you're affluent enough, go down to the city and tell them, I'm going to give $10,000 and you find people who's uh property taxes that you can pay off. I'm going to give $100,000 to pay off people's property taxes so they can stay in their home. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to send someone's kid to school. I'm going to help your child help them fill out an application to get into college. I'm going to help your child. I'm going to pay an enrollment fee like that grandmother did yesterday for her great-granddaughter pay an enrollment fee for a child to stay in college. I'm going to buy someone's grocery. Not just give them from a soup kitchen, but I'm going to buy someone's grocery right today. You may not be able to do it every week, but right now I can pay that grocery bill. How much is their bill? 80 bucks? I can pay for that. And you are going to help someone. We need to help one another. Because guess what? The politicians are caught up in a power struggle. It's a battle of egos to see who is going to emerge the strongest, the most powerful. That's all it is. I have the power, so I'm flexing my power. And I'm going to show you who has the real power. It's a power struggle. And the media loves it because we tune in to see how the end of it will go, knowing that it's going to impact our bottom line. But the talking heads in the media are paid a huge sum of money. So it gets good ratings for them. Gets their adrenaline pumping. Meanwhile, real people are dying from deaths of despair. Real people 
are contemplating suicide. Real people are drinking themselves into despair. Are you hearing me, Ravens? Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? You help the homeless? Thank you. Continue to, would you please? Right? My girl Raven is over here. I know tears are streaming down her face. I know she's listening. And thank you for your support. But do you hear what I'm saying, folks? Love one another. Take care of each other. Put a smile on your face. When you go through your Facebook timeline, sometimes it's just filled with people pouring their hearts out. And some people are so rash. Facebook, social media is not a place for you to advertise your problems. Keep it social. Would you please? I'm like, shut up. Sometimes that's all they can do is talk. That's all the excuse they have and the access they have. Be kind to people, right? Right? Politicians, yeah, probably get, honey, compared to what he really has, probably came out of a fund. That's not how that really works. It wasn't his personal money. It was money from the government that has already been set aside. Probably money from VOCA funds, to be honest with you. Right? Love one another. Help one another. And in these small towns across America, and even in big cities, Detroit is the biggest, uh, is the poorest big city in the United States. Can you believe that? I'm not going to get a whole lot of support right now because it's a tough subject. But I want all of us to wrap our, our, our hearts around the idea that this is our country. This is the greatest country. Anywhere else you go in the world, this is the one country you want to come to. We want to keep it that way. We want to continue to make America great. We want to continue to build up America so that America will always be the city on a shining hill for the people who live here and for other people to see that this is the best example of how what it means to be humanitarian. Right? Right? We'll talk about that off air, right? But I want us to focus on the fact that there are still people who need our help. Americans, working class Americans, are dying from deaths of despair. It's real. The struggle is real, y'all. The struggle is real. I send my prayers and my warmest well wishes to anybody who is out there contemplating suicide. There's a suicide helpline. If you know somebody struggling with substance abuse, there are resources available in your community everywhere for folks to reach out to and get some help. Get some help. I know it's tough. I've been there. I have lost jobs. I lost my job when my oldest daughter, the same year she was going to college, Raven, I lost my job. She's due to go to college in, in August. I lost my job in April. My savings dried up in less than a year. People were saying, well, where's the money? I mean, you still have to pay living expenses, so where was the money going to be? You have to use your savings, right? You see what I'm saying? So I've been there. I know what it is like to feel hopeless. I know what it is like to wonder if this is all. I know what it's like to apply for a job and not get one. I know what it is like to see your bank account dwindling and it gets down to $0.0. I've been there and I had to pull myself back by my faith. All I had was hope that tomorrow it was going to change. If I hang in there one more day, 
Lord, give me enough strength to make it through this day. Just pray for this day. If I can get through this day, then I'll find some help. And then go out there and find some help. And keep trying until you pull yourself out of it. I guarantee you, within a year, within two years, you won't be the same again. You won't be the same person again. Just keep trying. Don't quit. And don't give up. Just keep trying. Move if you have to. Network. Reach out to people. I know they say all of that. I know we did all of that. But keep trying. Don't, don't quit. Try again. Look at it a different way. Try again. If you don't have internet, go to the library. And you might say, well, Harriet, how am I going to get to the library? Take the bus. Go apply for resources. They can give you a bus pass. You see what I'm saying? Start somewhere. But start all over. Man, it is what it is, right? Thanks so much, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. This has been a Down to Earth conversation. I just want to remind you to stay down to earth and continue to support our podcast on Anchor FM. Click on support this podcast. We do need your support, right? And also continue to listen to us. Share this program because it has empowered you and helped you. Share this message with someone else. It's an interesting topic, but it's also an empowering topic. Because it reminds all of us that despite the gloom, there is still hope. Let's find the hope that is within us so that we can help someone else, right? Thanks so much, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. Come back and join me tomorrow. Be blessed. Enjoy your day. It's Wednesday. Oh, anybody wearing pink? I didn't wear pink today. Ah, sucks. Be blessed, everybody. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.